Someone wants that robot knob. Transformers somehow fall in love. It's Power Her Glide. Yeah, it's Power Glide. On this episode of WatchBots! Hi, everyone. Welcome to WatchBots, the podcast where you make plans, you break plans, but you put out an episode every week regardless. This is Ben. I'm joined by Shailen. Hello. Hi. And by Dave. I feel like that was a shot at me. No, it wasn't actually. It was a shot at myself. Son of a bitch. Shot at myself. I'm having a tense few hours as I have been periodically upgrading my desktop computer my gaming computer, if you will. And when a piece fits in right and you turn it on and everything works, it's like the best feeling in the world. You know, you feel like God, like I bequeath power onto thee. Tonight is not one of those nights. I was moving a graphic card around and upgrading a power supply and everything turned on and there was nothing going to the monitors. And it's just the most frustrating experience of having to like unplug shit plug shit back in, <laughs> plug things in one thing at a time. Did I get my RAM seated right? Did I put it in the right way? Did I remember all the power things? And the answer is, I have no fucking idea. <laughs> Did you, <laughs> I was going to say it was probably one of those simple things like, oh, the monitor wasn't plugged in. I ha Oops. had that thought and I you know, ran out of time because we really do want to record. But my problem is I don't, being obsessed with Call of Duty these days, I don't want to be without a computer for any particular period of time. So I jammed everything back into my old case. It's on. It's downloading a 55 gigabyte patch. I need to figure out what's going on. But it's just like, ah, ah, like you feel like you're either at the top of the mountain or you're in the volcano pit. It's fucking nonsense. And I just sit on the couch and sip my iced tea and laugh and watch office refund reruns. Yeah. Nice life. It is a nice life. And, but you when things go well, you get the spoils of being able to play Call of Duty on a decent computer. For all the times yeah, that I've ever done that, yes. Yeah. yeah. Fucking up my KD spread. Roughly zero. I would like to spend a moment talking about not a friend of the podcast, but I think a a spiritual friend of the podcast. And that would be professional wrestling legend Marty Jannetty. Oh my goodness. <laughs> For those who aren't aware of Marty Jannetty, so there was a tag team called the Rockers in the early 1990s, and they were very much like teeny boppers, kind of. You know, they dressed in fluorescent colors. They were high flying. Ladies loved them. So you had Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty. And in early 1992, they had a split. Shawn Michaels turned on Marty Jannetty, threw him through a window. Famous. Famous. famous huge. They went their separate ways. Shawn Michaels went on to be one of the most acclaimed wrestlers of all time. One of the goats. Marty Jannetty, on the other hand... He had an intercontinental title He run. did, yes. He had another tag he team title He tried to tag run. team with... Yep, yep. But he was, 
he kind of floundered and he was fired and rehired like I'm honest to God, something like 23 times from WWE. And now, these days he spends a lot of time on Facebook talking about his cat, the wolf and loving on ladies and, and doing slurs and things like that. But just yesterday and doing slurs, he's pr- doing the slur. <laughs> he's problematic. Just yesterday. It's a dance, right? It is. It's it's the wolf it's the wolfy wolf. Doing the slur. You're doing the slur. Just yesterday he posted something where he insinuated that he murdered a man who tried to molest him and left his body in a river. He said this was the first time he made a man disappear. Yeah, so he threw out the the a homophobic slur. Right. Yes. About the man and because uh, of what the man was uh, what he alleged the man did to him, he he um, made him quote unquote disappear, which is often, you know, I think that's generally accepted as I killed someone. Yeah, yeah. I made him disappear yeah. and left his body in a river. He yeah. deleted the Facebook post pretty quickly, but he did an interview or a podcast or something later in the day where he clarified that he hit the man in the back of the head with a brick. So Oh, is that all? Uh, I think he's still saying he killed him. Now, the the interesting thing about this is, I, I don't believe it for a second, but it was such an alarming statement that the police in Georgia, where this theoretically happened, are like combing through cold cases from like 1973 to see if this fucking idiot burnout just admitted to murder. I read that post. Ben screenshotted it for me mm-hmm. and sent it in a text. I read it. I looked at the picture. And I read it again. I read it a third time and I still didn't really grasp everything he was trying to tell me. Except at the same time, time I truly (laughs) I truly grasped it the first time. And no, he's a fucking maniac is what I learned. Oh, yeah. 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 I was not I had not had enough coffee for that at that moment. Because surely no fucking weirdo burnout like (laughs) wrestling failure is confessing to murder on Facebook. Here we are. It's 2020. Here we are. 2020, baby. So, Ben, you sent me a screenshot of that Facebook post. <laughs> this is my job as I circulate these things, yes? <laughs> yeah. And you were like, wow, he's he's throwing out slurs. And I was like, he's also uh, admitting to committing a, a murder and maybe threatening a, another one. Mm-hmm. And then some another friend of mine sent me a, 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 a the same exact screenshot <laughs> saying... That like oh he committed murder he's admitting to to murder mm-hmm. and then someone else sent me a screenshot saying he's threatening a woman or, or threatening her that or is true yes, yes there was another murder post. threat in there yeah so I was like I got it three different times with three dr- different analyses uh, <laughs> so just get the the, the the full breadth of Marty Janetti I did have a brief a brief uh, social media run in with Marty sure it was my peak I guess in life he posted a picture of a like half of a tuna sandwich or something like that on on a plate as one does and then there was yeah <laughs> and i just was trolling him and i said hey why do you only have one plate and he responded to me we had a nice conversation about his lack of dishes mm-hmm. and then he he went crazy and started talking about where his phone was yeah that's um, that's his big yeah, thing it was yeah it was a delight but again peak yeah just like 2020 is the peak indeed something yeah. new Every day. New Every day is always 2020. <laughs> As we get in here, got a quick little drop. Nothing big. I'm not going to set it up. I'm just going to play it. Lay back. My mind on my snorks. I've had snorks on my mind. That's it. 
<laughs> so bravo that was well done uh snoop dogg making another appearance on the show so this week we are talking about transformers and originally Robots in disguise our thought was we were going to talk about the new transformers war for cybertron now on netflix until i tried to watch it and it was too fucking serious for me <laughs> too serious <laughs> The first episode of that involves Wheeljack, so everybody's favorite. He's like Mm -hmm. recruiting Bumblebee. So this is before Cybertron falls. He's trying to recruit Bumblebee, and Bumblebee, instead of being like, hey, I'm Bumblebee, let's go for a ride, Spike, he's like this hard nose, like, you don't know the trouble I've seen. And then I turned it off because I was like, this sucks. This isn't funny at all. (laughs) This is bullshit. Let me tell you about the Cybertron version of Grenada. (laughs) But... We didn't want to throw away all of that SEO opportunity, so we're returning to original Transformers here, and I think it's a better choice for us. Indeed. (laughs) Oh, 100% agree. This was great what we watched. (laughs) Agreed. I've been slowly making my way through the original cartoon, just I haven't really seen them all in a long time, and where season one is tight. It's 16 episodes, was all done by the same production house. Things are generally episodic. Season two is where they were like, okay, we have to put together a lot of episodes very quickly. We got to push the quality down, outsource a lot of the animation. We're also going to do them as one-offs, and we also need to introduce new characters all the fucking time. So if you watch a lot of episodes of season two, as I have done lately, nothing is connected. There's characters introduced as if you've seen them before, like, oh, hey, it's Perceptor, the microscope, but it's like, I've never seen Perceptor before. But that's the idea is they can't like introduce anybody you, they just have to assume oh yeah they've all they've been with us the whole time they were just um in another room <laughs> every every week a new poochie yeah it's kind of how i like to operate at work where i just assume everyone that i've i will ever work mm-hmm. with i've met them before because i don't want that horrible shame of thinking that this is the first time i've met and worked with them only to realize that oh i've worked with sean on several projects and i'm so <laughs> sorry i forgot that you were the same grumpy person that i aligned with uh, on how terrible our coworkers are but the plus of this is sometimes you get some nuggets right like you get to meet beachcomber who's the hippie oceanographer you get to meet Blaster, who's the Autobot equivalent to Soundwave, except he plays Cold Slither, the um, the Viper song from G.I. Joe that we talked about like six months ago. But season two is really sort of the peak of the Transformers cartoon to me, because it's before the movie where like everybody dies and things take a turn for like the weird. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? What do you mean? I don't remember the transformers ever getting weird (laughs) (laughs) we watched that one already yes that's true so it was always fine he created tornadron there are a lot of choices in season two and i want to read you a few things that happened in season two that we that we didn't choose to talk about here so spike the teenage friend of the autobots gets fucked up gets his consciousness transferred into an autobot a scientist makes a sexy ninja bot for something to do with like energy they go to atlantis they time travel to the middle ages they go to new york multiple times one of them to stop a car boosting ring they travel all around the world in just cars so like oceans be damned they shrink and do like fantastic voyage thing into megatron optimus prime gets stripped for parts his parts are still kind of sentient they go to cybertron multiple times 
despite the whole conceit of the show being they're trying to get Energon to get back to Cybertron. I kind of love that. They, they do races for charity. <laughs> they find a lake made out of gold and they battle a big game hunter. But we're not talking about any of that. Cool. Not a single fucking thing. What we are talking about is a love is story. <laughs> Much better, I would argue. I've often wondered, and I suppose the internet has shown us, what would a loving romantic relationship be between a person and a robot? Were you wondering that a lot, Ben? Yeah, yeah, pretty frequently. Hmm. And fortunately, we get our answer with season two's The Girl Who Loved Power Glide. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, I've seen that video. (laughs) The title really kind of sums it up, right? Starring Sibian. (laughs) It's a girl. She falls in love with Power Glide, who's like the ostentatious plain Autobot. And from Boston. I'm walking here. It's his Boston accent. <laughs> <laughs> and and there you go. And in some ways, just with that nugget, you get what you need, but you get into the episode and there's just so, so, so much more to this. It's rich. It's layered. It's beautiful. The acting is just perfect. And there's a disturbing exploration of domestic violence. There's a lot going on here. I want you both to know that I did confirm Astroglide existed before this episode cre- was created. And therefore, there's no way that the people who wrote this episode didn't know. They knew. But I, well, to be fair, Power Glide had been around before this. Yeah, he was a Not by that many one, years. So like, is your- 77. I, I, you said this while we watched it. I truly don't understand what you're getting at. You're saying like this whole episode is just like a lube joke? I think that the Transformer named Power Glide is a lube joke mm-hmm. and that it- initially started as like oh this would be funny and then they were like but what if the lube joke robot fell in love with a woman that's what i think happened (laughs) i we take a lot of leaps on this show that may be a leap too far for me you know what shaylin let's hold hands and take that leap together thank you okay we're yeah we're diving in i'm with you on this mainly because it's a (laughs) fucking lunatic concept i mean it's completely insane i guarantee that that Someone in that room that named that robot was like, do you know it would be a funny name? Mm-hmm. Let's make it as close to Astroglide as possible. Power Glide. I'm not sure I believe it, but you know what? I'm too wholesome for the, these kind yeah, of Yeah, totally. Yeah. You guys are both the picture of wholesome. Well, somebody has to be here. So this episode, this masterpiece was written by David Wise. David Wise, the most prolific writer for Generation 1 Transformers. So he wrote 15 episodes. He was also the head writer for the original Ninja Turtle series. So this guy's got some chops. He's also done a million other mm-hmm. things. Interesting note about David Wise. He, in the publishing world, is what you would call a bit of a self-plagiarizer. <laughs> As he's written for a lot of cartoons, no less than eight of his plots were recycled between Masters of the Universe, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and Transformers, including this very show. So there is a kind of a version of the girl who loved power glide and ninja turtles it's called poor little rich turtle and it involves a rich teenager who is going to be kidnapped by shredder and krang for some kind of energy related formula and she meets the turtles and falls in love with one of the turtles and a tale as old as time i guess if it works you know keep going with it yeah right (laughs) why change why change and try to evolve and, you know, enhance your talent? I mean, it's like an Alice Monroe short story, right? It might appear three or four times in different collections, 
but they have different names this time. And the flowers are a different color. You know, if you want to get all high-minded and literary, you can go find a new show. Alice Monroe. Who, who, who's our audience here? I'm just saying. The deepest we She's get... She's a good writer. I like her stories. You know, but you know, sometimes they're a little the same. She also wrote an episode of Punky Brewster, so it's, <laughs> there we go. it's, it's appropriate. Yeah. This reference is denser than James Joyce. No, that's not true. <laughs> Dubliners, think about it. It's like a Thomas Pinchon novel. <laughs> God damn it. The episode here aired on November 18th, 1985. Fall was in the air. We were 35 years away from the fall of civilization. Give or take. Shailen? What was going on then, Ben? Masterful. <laughs> Ooh, what were we seeing? It's contextual feeling. Finally, some new things to talk about here, kind of. So the top movie was the Jim Carrey vampire farce, Once Bitten. Oh, an, yes. An underrated gem. Very familiar with that. I don't think I've ever seen that. Hmm. Stars. Stars Jim Carrey. And Laura Hutton. <laughs> of course, yes. <laughs> yes. It's not a, an erotic thriller. There's some eroticism to yeah, it. Yeah, I guess. There was a spate yeah. of vampire movies in the 80s. Like Nicolas Cage was in one, right? Am I making that up? Yes. What was that called? Uh, vampire? No. Oh, um, Vampire's Kiss? Bad Lieutenant, Port of Port Call, of New Hell. Orleans. P- Port of Call, yeah. Uh, I think it was Vampire's Kiss. Was, was there a Robert Downey Jr. vampire movie as well? Or am I just thinking like his mid-80s no. look was mildly vampiric? No, you're thinking of uh, just the, the movie Chaplin. Okay, okay. Yeah. There was a Fright Night, Fright Night 2. Interview with the Vampire. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's a few years later, but whatever. Bram Stoker's Dracula. I was going to say Fuck Dracula? It. forgot Dracula. Dracula sucks. Dracula dead and loving it? Oh, God. That's a movie I rented many, many times. <laughs> Big fan of Steven Weber. <laughs> Steven, Steven Weber. Steven Number two, Jagged Edge. So an erotic thriller for sure. Yes. I was going to throw that out as a joke, but nope. didn't have didn't to. Didn't have to. Number three, Target, which is appears to be a thriller movie starring the dynamic duo of Gene Hackman and Matt Dillon. Hmm. I don't know. It's that movie. Not hard target. No, no, no. That That's <laughs> no. a different kind of movie. R.I.P. R.I.P. Wilford Brimley, for sure. Let's get into this. One of the neat things about Transformers is every season had a little bit of a different intro. So I think season one is the one I think most people are familiar with. You know, it, Transformers more than meets the eye. This one gets a little bit of like a dance club remix. It's bitching. It starts off with the Autobots and Decepticons logos, like just chasing each other. <laughs> it's always the thing I it's enjoy. So good. <laughs> uh, like I love like they're like the first one's pretty good. Yeah, it's fine. But we need something that could be played at like an Eastern European nightclub. <laughs> you know, just a lot of people in tracksuits saying, "Yeah, I love this song. It's so good." <laughs> a lot of purple. <laughs> just wanna like I just wanna lose myself in it. So many points of articulation. <laughs> 
What is Fancy Boy Autobots? <laughs> hey, what are you dancing to? Decepticon? This is the second Steve Martin reference this evening. I'm just kidding. What was the first? I was making that up. Was just... oh. Oh. We, we're talking about Steve Martin, Alice Monroe. We're all over the map here. We're ripping ass. Yeah. This is the Alice Monroe podcast. That's right. So, Wild and crazy guys. <laughs> the episode starts at a by Alice Monroe. a rooftop party, right? So the party, as as all parties do, have balloons that look like they're just pieces of plastic on pe- rods. Like yes. these balloons are unmoving. <laughs> they, they look like le- the balloons you get in a Lego set. Yeah, and yeah. like older guys in like Shriners hats. They're not just Shriner hats. Every person at this party has a fucking awesome hat Mm -hmm. and not a single one of them resembles another hat I've ever seen. Right? It's a kind of a fez, but -hmm. it's the wrong it's the wrong size. And then you get sun hats, but they're weirdly floppy in ways that defy physics. I loved these hats so much. So much. I was immediately brought into this plot line. I haven't seen you this enthusiastic since you picked up the last Alice Monroe short story collection. I hate you, get out. (laughs) Dave, what were your feelings on the hats? Oh, my God. I wrote a whole paper on yep. hats in, Alice Monroe, in an Alice Monroe class yep, I took yep, yep. back in college. Just turgid as fuck watching these hats. Mm-hmm. Love ship, courtship, hat ship. Turgid ship. Friendship, yeah. turgid ship. For the love of a good hat. <laughs> Shailen, you mentioned that the hats don't resemble anything, but these guys, they're resentful. Indeed. Mm. This is disgraceful. This is humiliating. This is a direct order of the chairman of the board. Stop complaining. Uh, just how direct order. How normal people talk. So I didn't grab a clip yeah. of this, but they refer to well, like, one of the guys refers to the other one as an absolute bloody fool. And that one line made it the only episode of Transformers to get like a PG rating in the UK. Everything else was a G, but Weird. absolute bloody uh-huh. fool pushed it over the edge. Bloody violence just disagree not good stuff so you hear chairman of the board and you're like oh shit is this fucking frank sinatra coming out but it's not it's carrot top (laughs) it's better it's carrot top a woman walks out a woman of indeterminate age we find out later her name is astoria carlton ritz which (sighs) okay (laughs) i'm i'm lyrica rockefeller vanderbilt (laughs) i'm the richest girl in the world she is of indeterminate age. She yes. could be 25. She could be 13. I have no fucking idea. She's ageless, Ben. I do know she's got on a yellow dress, and she wears a hat that looks like a cross between Captain Crunch's hat and a rice paddy hat. That's correct. And that is her outfit. <laughs> and, a, and a strange necklace, which we will come back to. So she walks out, and this is her party, and, and she's, well, whatever. Let's listen. I know you're all totally grossed out to be here, but it's my birthday, so I'm going to have a party. Why aren't you geezers having a good time? Why can't you guys just lighten up and enjoy yourselves? Oh, I can't stand it. This place is like a... (laughs) Like a prison. And it gets worse, because the year was 1985, remember? And in 1985, Leslie Gore was very popular. Totally. It's my party and I'll cry if I want to. Come on. <laughs> what are we doing here? So the character of Astoria, we have to spend a lot of time on her because she's around. But boy, does she suck. She is whiny. She's unlikable. She's not relatable. 
in a show full of robots, she is somehow like the most robotic (laughs) entity here. She's also clearly written by a guy who was scorned by a woman in high school. Oh, (laughs) understatement. Yeah, and she's always saying like, like, and like, totally, and like, Barfarama, and that's, and then she hates men. And it's it's okay when the robot shoves her because she deserved it. Yeah, well, yeah. There, there's a lot of casual and non-casual sexism here. So it's her party. She is the chairman of the board of, high, I think it's like High Techs or something is the name of the company. It's very ham-fisted. But as will happen, some Decepticons show up. So in this case, it's the airplanes Dirge, Ramjet, and Thrust, who are canonically known as the Coneheads. And I want to point out once again that there was mm-hmm. a dirty bird on that writing board. Thrust? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Dirge. <laughs> Thrust's counterpart was originally Pelvoid, but <laughs> that, was, that was too far. And Dirge was Cum Surge? Really weird. <laughs> and Ramjet was uh, Ramjet. It was Ramjet. Ramjet. Just Ramjet. <laughs> so. That one got by the sensors. So fortunately, Power Glide is just flying around, right? And here's a little casual sexism from our hero. They must be after some secret plans, or maybe some new fuel they've invented, or maybe they're going to kidnap all the company's top scientists, or, huh, they're after a girl. It's hero time. <laughs> so A girl? <laughs> so the character of Power a Girl Guy is very much portrayed as a show-off. This is consistent with other episodes. He's a red plane, and we all know girls love red things, I guess. And totally, I mean, he's a fucking fox. So I guess what happens next is to be expected. But there's a few weird things that Power Glide does here. First, as he's on patrol, a camera protrudes out of his nose so he can see what's going on. The problem is in other episodes, that's a gun barrel. So he's got a camera camera gun barrel nose. You just hit the toggle button and it toggles (laughs) back and forth. But on the roof, you have the three Decepticons surrounding Astoria. As Power Glide flies by, he does essentially that maneuver from Dark Knight when Batman goes to Hong Kong. He drops a rope, and she just reaches up willy-nilly and grabs the rope, and he flies away at top speed as she's dangling on a rope. It's reverse. No, it's something (laughs) hooking, right? Skyhook. Yeah. Yeah. Skyhook. I mean, it is skyhooking. That's exactly what it is, except she has no harness. So they show the plane whipping around the city, and she's just dangling off the back. And it, I thought, boy, that was reckless. It sure is good she engages in yoga twice a week so she can hold on tight to the rope. Yeah. Because otherwise she would be a pancake. That's true. But she's apparently a thrill seeker because she's having a real good time. Ah! Freaky deaky stuff. When you jump on Power Glide, you're going to have a real good time. <laughs> so he pulls her into the plane, and now the other planes are chasing. And something weird happened here. The Decepticons are all portrayed strangely in this episode. Like mm-hmm. they are very much evil all the time. But for some reason, one of the Decepticons just decides to compliment Power Glide. There they are! Such superb aerial agility. Truly a worthy adversary. <laughs> I don't know if it's to set Power Glide up as like sexier, but I can't recall another time where the Decepticons were ever like, you know what? Fair play, guys. You beat us. Yeah. Strange. Yeah. This is like in, in wrestling when the heel is, you know, making fun of the crowd and, and all of that. And then the uh, and making fun of his opponent. And then the opponent comes out and he's like, well, you are the strongest <laughs> I've ever faced. But um, it's like that. But like 
doesn't really work here because Power Glide's we've known Power Glide for whatever um couple minutes like there. hundred episodes. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. And so what happens is, and this is one of my favorite Transformers things, to get away, Power Glide goes under an underpass and he stops. Now the problem with this highway system is that there's not a single car on it. <laughs> you call it a problem. I call it a convenience you, for the Transformers. You know what? It's like twenty twenty, am I right? Hell yeah. My God. My God. So they land and the Decepticons lose them and love starts to bloom. Who are you? Power Glide's the name. Well, whoever you are, I think you're completely the greatest. Uh, thanks. <laughs> so <laughs> immediately, this woman is all about Power Glide. Either she's into him, which she is later, or she's very aggressively friendly. I'm not sure what it is at this stage. Why not both? Could be. It could be. Immediately after this, Power Glide throws Astoria to the ground. Oh, I want to go flying again. Oh, come on. Will you shut up and listen? <laughs> so. Just shoves her. She goes to walk towards him because she wants to go flying. He backhands her hard to the ground. Shailen, thoughts? It seemed reckless, mm -hmm. but I didn't like the character enough to immediately be dismissive of Power Glide as someone who belonged in jail. Mm -hmm. And that made me feel terrible about myself. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> there we well, are. She, yeah, she, she, just just before that little that little nugget at the end, I was about to say, so you, you think she deserved it. <laughs> I didn't think she deserved it. You sick. But I also had that thought of like, I mean, I get it. And then again, she is pretty shitty. Yeah, yeah she's yeah. she's pretty yeah. shitty. So he doesn't want to fly it because he's trying to figure out what's going on, and she starts to explain who she is. She's the CEO of Hybrid Technologies, and yeah, see, like my father died. Okay, <laughs> she, she was I'm very such emotion a teenager. Filled. Yeah, like he died totally. Cowabunga, radical. I don't know. Oh boy, just really crazy stuff here. And then Power Glide, like. He does like a Ralph Cramden. He threatens to like, to the moon, Astoria. I'll make you fly. He's, yeah, that, I'll <laughs> like, make you fly. Then he, then he picked her up and he threw her because he's a robot. And he was able <laughs> to, to the throw moon. her to the moon. And she was able to survive in the atmosphere because that's what happens. I'll show you flying. <laughs> that is the quote. The Transformers usual base of operations is Teletran 1. Apparently that was too far out in the, the fields because they just go to like a building where... <laughs> there's a lot going on here so <laughs> they're talking to optimus prime who ostensibly is a teletran one he just knows that she's the chairman of hybrid technologies but she's not allowed near the machines and they all go huh and then spike is there so spike witwicky uh is the shia labeouf character in the early movies mm -hmm. i think he has a different name there but it's the same guy and he's there in his usual outfit of a work shirt jeans yellow boots and a yellow work hat and he's not working on Autobots. He's just working on car engines for some reason. Yeah, yeah. This confused <laughs> me because I thought <laughs> I thought for sure those cars would turn into Transformers. Mm -hmm. I like that both of you were like, oh, that's weird that he's working on car parts. Whereas I was like, oh, God, this weird Frankenstein character is taking his friends apart. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was getting at. Good like, God. Oh, my God. He's They're dissected. Them he's stripping them for parts. He's the true villain here. <laughs> well... Maybe kind of. because one of the things that is fairly consistent in season two, there's a character you don't see here. Her name is Carly. 
She is introduced early in the season. Car. She's got, yes, she has a she has a sports car. Oh. She's a college student, and Spike is not old enough to drive. It's very heavily implied, and later on becomes canonical that they're a couple. So she's robbing the cradle. But so Spike has a girlfriend. But Astoria walks in, looking the way Astoria does, and Spike takes a shot. Yeah. Too bad I wasn't there. I'm always ready to rescue a girl as pretty as you. Mm. What do you know about Power Glide? <laughs> and she just she just spikes him into the ground. Well, you can Oof. you can get it at any drugstore. Um, <laughs> it's, it's in the uh, feminine hygiene products section. I just want to reiterate again. That the person who wrote this episode mm -hmm. was so obviously jilted by a pretty girl during their formative years. Oh, hey, you're so pretty. <laughs> what well, can you tell me about, about your sexy bad. friend? Does he drink skinny coffee? Like, <laughs> tell me about his like, tattoos. Uh, your Transformer is such a bad boy. It's got like a Decepticon logo on its hood. Oh, <laughs> I love it. Is that a rub-on? Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> What are you, Gen 1 or Gen 2? Oh, it doesn't matter. You're so bad. Gen 2 is lame as shit, so I guess Gen 2 would be preferable <laughs> in that context. But That's so right. They continue talking, and she's like, what's the deal with Power Clyde? I think he's wonderful. You do? Oh, wow. He's tall, he's handsome, he's shiny, <laughs> and he can fly. Yeah, well, there's a few things he can't do, you know. Like, fuck. Yeah, like... like <laughs> be a human. It's very clear that that's what he means. Like, get an erection with a human penis. Have warmth. Relations. Yes. Skin. And what Spike is doing here, I had to watch it a few times, and I'm still not sure I get it. So he's working on an engine block that's inside a car. He gets so distracted that he, I'm assuming he strips a screw or something. Yeah. His solution to that is to take out a welding torch. Burn it. And try to like Melt weld it? it out. I don't know what the fuck he was trying to do, but Astoria gets in the way. Spike swats her backwards, where she like falls into some shit. And Spike blames his clumsiness on her, and she says, I guess me and machines don't get along too well. Oh. Okay. Why are you on this show then? This happens a lot in, in, in TV and everything, like, oh, I'm I'm such a klutz, like I don't uh, technology mm. in me, but it requires the person to like use the device or the machine, right? Yeah. Like, oh oh, this this phone, I don't know what I'm doing and it breaks, or like, oh, this this car, I don't know what I'm going and it crash it. But this like th this took it a step further and is like even if you were around machines, they yeah. stop working. And it's that and it's like this comes up later and we'll we'll discuss it there too. A lot of people will be like, I'm clumsy. But here, her not getting along with machines might be like a literal thing. It might be like a biochemistry thing that becomes very <laughs> fortuitous later on. So personal anecdote quickly, just a fast aside. My dad- Nine minutes later. Literally has a problem around computers and things that are magnetized. And I'm convinced he has like an what, iron what, deficiency what, what, or wait something. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What, what does that mean? Well, he has a problem? Does he so, like- faint he's the only person i've ever seen who when trying to use a macbook mm -hmm. was could not get the titanium tracking pad to register him and he managed to crack it out of frustration i've never seen anyone be able to break a tracking pad on a so he's MacBook. just impatient that's true but i've also seen monitors 
that mm-hmm. I'll be working in front of the computer and it's fine. And he walks into the room and he's there for two minutes and it stops working. And then he leaves and it works again. I swear to God, he's magnetized hmm. or has... Your father is made out of static electricity. Yeah, so is it like... possible that he's some kind of electro-level supervillain? Yeah. Whatever it is, like when she was having the problems, she was like, oh yeah, you know, me and machines. Mm-hmm. I was like, dad. And then I realized, oh, that's a cartoon. I would love to hear your dad have like a personal soundtrack that's like the Jamie Foxx soundtrack in that Spider-Man movie, where <laughs> it's like, it's just him like mumbling over orchestra music. I'm gonna oh, be electric, electric. Honestly, oh. that would not be hard to put together. Yeah. We should probably do that. It's going to be electric. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, Spider-Man. <laughs> gonna get you Spider-Man. Rough, 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 rough stuff. So Power Glide comes in and he's like, ah, yeah, well, I can tell you not good around machines, see? But I got to take you back to headquarters. And she's like, I'm hungry. And then we cut. So now we're with Megatron and the three Decepticons. Not much to report on here other than this little bit of motivation. Please, let us try to find her again. You will not try to get her. You will get her. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) cool. Megatron. Awesome. Not at his best this episode. Here's where the episode falls off the rails. It's right at this point. So we see Power Glide and we see Astoria. They're at like, I would say like a Central Park. There's just some random like carnival thing set up. They're in front of a stand that's called Hot Dog. And this is amazing because you see Power Glide hand her a hot dog. She takes it. Her hand goes toward her mouth. Her hand comes away literally one second later, completely empty. She like inhaled she that hot dog. Fucking it's fucking hungry. crazy. It's so hot funny. Dog was silver and then Power Glide moved a little mm-hmm. in the person behind the hot dog stand, Mark Wiener. <laughs> Could be. And Robin Williams was there. He's performing on the street. Yeah, yeah. That's where they met in, um, in Transformer Park. <laughs> <laughs> a beautiful time. A, a friendship for the ages. Indeed. Hashtag Wienerville. So he's like, okay, I got you a hot dog. I, I don't know. Oh, I assume she has money. I got you a hot dog. Now can we please get on with it? And what happens? Boy, this is better than running that stupid old company any day. Storia, we've got to get you out of here. It's dangerous. What are you talking about? We're on a merry-go-round for crying out loud. Okay, so like, what do I want to do now? (laughs) That's right. They're on a (laughs) merry-go-round. The shot of it is a merry-go-round. And Astoria, she comes into shot and she's bobbing up and down on the horse. Power Glide also sitting on a horse, bobbing up and down. So good. <laughs> it is the giantest carousel that was ever made. And he knows the Decepticons are on the prowl. She's like, what are you talking about? It's a merry-go-round. It's a merry-go-round. I oh, love Power Glide's voice. If you're from Boston, like Power Glide <laughs> just sounds like your dad's friends. Yeah. <laughs> Have a dad. Yeah, yeah. We got to get over here now. Oh, boy. Davey, how you doing? <laughs> you still playing soccer? <laughs> you gotta make the soup. You still watching that Transformers crap? Man, it's so bizarre. You know, again, it's a cartoon for kids, but the idea is to show the Transformers as these cool things that you want to buy toys of. And Not instead... Like riding a merry-go-round. Like, whoa, what was... What, what a bizarre artistic choice. I loved this. Oh, I did too, but... Yeah, like we talk about like car wrecks a lot here yeah, on yeah. this show, like just loving them. This episode had everything that I love. Like it's there's a cool battle coming up in a couple seconds, and it, there's ridiculousness. Like nothing makes sense. Mm-hmm. There's misogyny. Like it ticks all the boxes for me. Every box. Yeah, 
But if you weren't into the merry-go-round, now you're going to get a little action, right? So the Decepticons show up, and Power Glide grabs her by the arm. He grazes this necklace. Power Glide, my dad gave me this before he died. He made me promise never to take it off. This is an important thing. Put a pin in it. The necklace is very important. We'll put it aside. So the, the Decepticons show up. They're running around. For some reason, Power Glide sends Astoria in another direction entirely. And none of them chase her. They all tried to fight Power Glide instead. <laughs> They're not smart. <laughs> and then she hides behind a trash barrel. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it, it works out. It was a good idea. It's true. It's true. What happens is one of the Decepticons picks up the merry-go-round and throws it at Power Glide, just like in all in one piece. He picks up one of the horses after that and throws it. It breaks over Power Glide's head. Power Glide shoots at a vending machine that's full of soda cans. Or it was full of literal soda because he shoots it. And this is like the fucking hallway scene in The Shining because yep, the Decepticons yep. are drowned in just hundreds of gallons of soda. It's at the that fire note. hose. <laughs> you get to drink from the fire hose. <laughs> It's like that scene in Maximum Overdrive, except instead of cans shooting and like killing the baseball coach, it's just, it's just a liquid. stream of soda. Yeah. Can't be good for the circuits, all that sticky shit. You know what I'm saying? So Power Glide goes and he grabs Astoria. There's a brief shot where the two of them are running, and Astoria is running at normal human speed, but Power Glide is just shuffling along and like the weirdest animation I've seen in in quite a while. The background is moving very fast, but he is moving himself. Like he's 150 years old. Well, he's an airplane trying to run on foot. Mm -hmm. You can't do that's that fair. effectively. That's fair. Yeah, that's true. She gets inside Power Glide. They fly away. The Decepticons give chase. You get a long-ish battle scene here. So they're they're flying around. They're in the desert. They crash. Power Glide's wing is all fucked up. And Astoria shows a more tender side. Hey, you're hurt. It's nothing. Nothing? It's totally severe. You could get sand in it or something. No, you're a real pain in the afterburners, you know that? You know, you don't have to be Mr. Macho all the time, okay? Just let me help. She calls him a baby right after this. How could you not love this woman? True Beauty and the Beast moment here, you know. Beast saves Belle in the woods from yeah. the wolves, and she helps him out. You know, this exact same thing. I think Beauty and the Beast copied Transformers. I have the exact same note where it's like, it, yeah. it wouldn't hurt so much if you just stay still. Well, it wouldn't hurt if you hadn't run away. Well, I wouldn't have run, run away if you weren't so stubborn. <laughs> it's literally the same conversation. And she's wearing yellow. The other commonality here between Beauty and the Beast and Transformers, healthy amount of gaslighting. True. Like this. I mean, like, I care about you. You saved my life. Of course, you wouldn't feel anything like that about me. Of course not. You're a robot. You're above all those kinds of things. Well, maybe I kind of, sort of, possibly feel that I think you're a... <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean... Of, of course, you wouldn't think I'm cute, Ben, would you? <laughs> you being a robot and all. We could spend a long time on the, the robotic love thing here, right? Like, they are robots. So could a robot... I mean, how does this violate Asimov's laws, right? Like, could a robot feel love for a human? I don't know about a regular robot, but I feel like Transformers have human emotions. Maybe. I mean, Terminator yeah. 2 showed us as well yeah. that, you know, you can find there. there's some kind of algorithmic connection there. I offer that up as possible. Hmm. Not myth busted? No. Hmm. Okay. Dave, can a robot love? <laughs> 
If I found love, yes, a robot can find love. <laughs> I think I, I'm with Shailen here. Like, you know, they're not robots. They're they're beings, right? From some from Cybertron. So like, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're not exactly robots. Um, they care for each other. You know, they, they're they're friendly with each other. Not they're not just like kind of robotic and all that. I think it's pretty established here. But the way they show love in this episode or falling in love yeah. is is the problem here. Yeah, it's totally like only opposites attract. It's abuse. Right. Yeah. What you see here is abuse. <laughs> yeah, emotional, physical, all of it. All of it. Yeah, yeah. Listeners, we want to hear from you. Can robots love? Hashtag slipper the dipstick. So all of a sudden, the Decepticons show up and Power Glide is in no condition to fight. He shoves Astoria aside and he does this really weirdly animated roll move. It's like, you know how little kids will roll down hills? Like not somersault, just do it like kind of horizontally. Yeah. Power Glide does this towards some rocks. He just rolls. Was not graceful. So <laughs> he's a robot. Well, he's injured. He's hurt. He's that's got true. sand in his that's, wound. That's just true. The Decepticons bury him under rocks. They take Astoria. They go away. Power Glide is able to free himself <laughs> in, a, in a very pathetic scene. He tries to transform. He can't. And he goes, Astoria. And then he faints. And it's very sad. It is sad. Asimov's rules, like, robots can't faint. Yes, that's the second one. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. For sure. The first one is, can carry ten times their own weight. The second is, can't faint. Yeah. And yeah. The, the third, third one is, is, don't feed them after midnight. Yeah, yeah. No Victorian fainting couches on Cybertron. Yeah, that all sounds about right. I'd like to see a Victorian fainting couch the size a Transformer could use, though. What would Alice Monroe write about that, though? They would fuck on the couch. Oh, boy. Oh, man. Oh, my God. What Just would, saying. What would, Randy. What would it sound like if Power Glide was doing the nasty? You're you're oh, outside oh, my oh, zone oh, of comfort. Oh, oh. I don't know. It's like the, the, the Tin Man's oil can. Oh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> oil. Oil. Oil crown. Oil crown. So conveniently here, two of the oil Transformers. Cream. Get me off. <laughs> oh, God. Two of the Transformers do show up here, so you get Wheeljack and Ratchet. So those they're kind of the two mechanics. Wheeljack is the shit. I think Wheeljack is one of my favorite Transformers. Hell yeah. We might Strong have talked agree. about who who's your favorite Autobot? I mean Optimus Prime, obviously. Oh my god. That's so gauche. Whatever. Class hashtag gauche. Dave, well, who's your favorite Autobot? I don't know enough of them to to make a, a decision, but Bumblebee? Bumblebee. Oh my god! I think Wheeljack so is my second favorite, the, though. The two of you even watched and who, the show. The the, the dinosaur-y grumpy one from the other episode that we watched. That he's always like, "I did the thing." I like the satellite Cosmos as well. Okay, that's good. <laughs> I like them all. So, Grimjack. Sh- Grimjack. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You're right. He's a dummy. Grimlock. 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 We got there. Teamwork. So I was gonna do a whole game around making. Especially Shailen, try to guess character names. But I'm so bad at remembering I names. Didn't do it. I didn't do it, Good. but I just want you to know that, that that idea is out there. Grimjack is when you masturbate, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. It's a sad pancake mix. <laughs> it's, filled, it's just filled with dirt. <laughs> That's a Grimjack. Ashes of your grandparents. <laughs> Whew, while I'm uncomfortable, let's move on. Empty the urn. Add two eggs. <laughs> Wheeljack and Ratchet show up. There's a fun thing with scale here. So Power Glide is a jet plane, and Ratchet is an ambulance. Power Glide has no problem fitting in the back of Ratchet, but you know, I, that's one of those fun Transformers things where it's like they're as big or as small as they kind of need to be. So they go off to Teletran One. 
Ratchet's doing repairs, Power Glide's being a big macho guy, and he goes to see Optimus Prime, and he asks him a very important question. Why don't they ransom her? Maybe they don't want a ransom. Maybe she's got something they want. Like what? They get a call at this point from, I mean, we know it's Gary Sinise, but it's like a little distorted. And yeah. you like, a story of peas or pants. <laughs> Mel Gibson's gotta, there. Gotta do what you gotta do, yeah. man. That's a weird movie, right? Ransom? Yeah. That's a movie I've seen so. a lot. I remember- <laughs> I remember seeing it as a kid and being like, man, this movie rules. But I think if I went back to it, I'd be like, what the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> I just remember the Gary scene. Sinise is weird. With the, like, he's the third in command kidnapper. And they try to do the ransom and it goes wrong. And he's like riding around at an ATV in like yeah. a, like a quarry. <laughs> and he gets it, right? He, oh, yeah, he, he gets he, it. He gets yeah, it hard. Yeah. He gets the dipstick. <laughs> My favorite thing about Optimus Prime here is even in, in the, earlier in the episode, they're trying to figure out like why the Decepticons attacked Astoria and Optimus Prime just throws out a thousand assumptions. Yeah. Like, maybe they're doing this. Maybe they're doing this. Maybe they're doing this. Uh, and then they just go on a wild guess. Like they do no semblance of research here. Yeah. Well, they do have Teletran one to do that research for them. So maybe that's what's going on. Okay. All right. I'll buy that. They also have the sky spy, which is good because it tells them the, the morning traffic every day. It also tells them that there is a big floating thing in the North Atlantic, 10 miles in the sky. <laughs> it's like, well, how did that get built? And when Sauron, did that get built? <laughs> Sauron is the name of it, I think, right? Something like that. Yeah. And like, what is Megatron's plan? We, we don't have answers to any of these questions, but we're going to find out because Power Glide goes off on his own, does not wait, does not say, hey, Autobots, come with me, come help. He's going to solo it because this is a Power Glide episode. So he flies away and... They just know that's where she is as well. It's worth noting, like, Sky Spy says, here's this big thing. And they go, well, Astoria's got to be at that big thing. I mean, I guess it worked out, but another wild assumption. So it's like a big flying saucer that's surrounded with these pink waves, and it's making Star Trek phaser noises. We find out that it's meant to harness the Earth's electromagnetic waves to make energon out of them. I think. Which is science. Sure. Yeah, I mean, yes, definitely. I mean, very much so. I'm not yeah. doubting the science. I guess my issue with this is they must have spent a lot of energy to build this enormous thing that's floating 10 miles in the sky. It feels like they could have just used those resources to make energon. Are you suggesting that the Decepticons used bad judgment in their investments? Mm-hmm. I don't I guess it. so. I mean, Megatron maybe not known as a good investor. Hmm. He's no day trader. That's true. He's no day tradatron. What if there was a day tradatron? Yeah, well, what would it transform into? Probably like a laptop, right? I was going to say laptop. <laughs> a, a Bluetooth? What are those little earpieces? <laughs> it's just a monitor with a bar graph on it. Okay, okay. Yeah. If they can make a Top Gun Maverick transformer, they can certainly make a day trader Bluetooth earpiece transformer. Oh, for sure. No, it's, it's the it's the bronze bowl outside the Wall Street, and it just turns into a transformer. <laughs> it's just stationary, though. It doesn't run around. It's the yeah, worst it's bull mar- transformer. It's bull Market ever. Prime. <laughs> I like it. Bull Market Primes also sounds like one of those meat auctions where, like, you go to like the church and you can buy like eighteen pounds of steer. <laughs> yeah. When I was a kid, we used to drive by. It was meat raffle was what the sign said. Mm-hmm. But because I'm horribly dyslexic a lot of the time, I read it as meat waffle. 
And it took me three weeks to finally get up the nads to ask my dad, why is the shoe store advertising a meat waffle? And he was like, the meat raffle at the VFW? (laughs) Here ends the story. I think a meat waffle could be okay, though. You take some corned beef hash. Meat waffle is just a hamburger patty, guys. Mm -hmm. At the time, I was a vegetarian. Oh, boy, you must have been so I was confused. fucking freaking out. I just didn't understand oh, it. Fuck. Now that I'm back in the meat game, it sounds delicious. Meat is murder. Meat is murder. High five. Back in the meat game again. <laughs> it's true. It's the place to be. Give me that meat, baby. I love the meat. So we're, <laughs> we're in this fucking flying saucer thing, and- Megatron finally, like 17 minutes into the episode, we just talked about what the plan is, but we'll let him clarify. Before your father died, he gave you high-tech energy formula. If you say so. I do, and I want it now. Okay. Okay. This is where I get confused. He wants the formula, right? So he can use like the flying saucer thing to its full extent. She seems to not know what he's talking about. She's dumb and plays dumb better. Right. So she may be playing dumb. We'll find out later more about the formula, but it's confusing. But the thing about the Decepticons is they have many ways to torture their opponents, including... The Psychoprobe. That's right, the Psychoprobe. So it's some kind of mind-reading machine, and they're going to read her mind with it. But a couple things. One, she tells him to go blow a circuit, which... Is fine. She keeps asking for hamburgers as well. Shailen, when you were between the ages of 13 and 25, were you always hungry for burgers? This is a realistic depiction of females. Or she is, just said she was a vegetarian. Is David Wise taking a shot here? I think David Wise is taking a shot crazy based metabolism. on my vegetarianism. Okay. He's taking a shot. He's been taking a shot the whole time. Like he had her hide behind garbage because <laughs> girls are garbage. <laughs> and you know, he's also got like he literally the, has the, humans and robots fucking throwing her places. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah. That's true. We're not even like halfway done with the throws. It's right. like it's weird. So they turn the psycho pro. Girls on. are always so hungry and stupid. Hold yeah, on. they're dumb and they don't know how to use computers. Are they dumb? Subject's mind completely empty that's right and then <laughs> who is the woman that broke up with david wise <laughs> i don't know but she seems like a person i want to hang out with seems for like, like a she, half hour seems like she's the wise one you know what i'm saying yep the only thing i know about her is her name is astoria <laughs> my astoria i'd split my a bottle of wine astoria. with her and get her to spill everything about david wise including the beans and the tea it's- Girl, you got to spill that tea. You got to spill the tea. So all of a sudden, so she says again, yeah, me and machines don't get along. And the way she says it, it's as if the machine doesn't work because of her. So maybe. I'm telling you, somehow at some point, Hmm. someone accidentally magnetized her body. I was thinking it was the necklace. Oh, maybe. Oh, that That could. That's an interesting theory. Suddenly the episode makes sense. Thanks, Hmm. Dave. (laughs) <laughs> no it does not <laughs> it's, a theory. it's a theory regardless of the science and whatever wackiness is going on the Decepticons get the alert that power glides coming and they all leave Astoria is in the chair and it's got like those metal restraints around her wrists you know you see them in all like classic villain bases she's able to just pull her hands out <laughs> and I'm going to assume that the Decepticons thought we're capturing men here, not any spindly women wrists. Like I can't yeah. fathom no, why no else. Tiny lady, so easy. F- bird bone, frail wrists. 
So she gets out, she leaves. She sees that Power Glide's in big trouble. They're all shooting at him. Here's her big moment. That thing seems to be causing the storm. Maybe something metal would short circuit it. Nothing. Well, sorry, Dad, but I've got to chuck the formula in order to save him. There's like 150 amazing things. One is she sees an antenna and guesses correctly that it appears to be powering the whole base. She makes the assumption, again, correctly, that something metal would destroy the antenna if it hits it. Then she says, sorry about the formula, Dad. And I went, hold on, what? So is the necklace the formula? Is the formula inside the necklace? I don't know what was going on. I have no idea. Jalen Gage. I thought it was... (laughs) That it was in the necklace. Not that it was the necklace, but in it. I was like, is it in Iron Man 2 where he invents a new compound? It was so weird. But also, the fact that this person who was so fucking stupid up until this point came up with the idea of maybe something metal will interrupt it. Was she playing dumb to try to convince Power Glide that she would be more interesting? Oh, the men always like the ditzy girls. Mm -hmm. I'll just pretend I have no brain in my head. Sure. I don't know. Weird. It's problematic. The weirdest thing of all, she's hundreds of feet below this antenna. And has the best aim of all time. She's like the big unit Randy Johnson because she throws it and this (laughs) tiny necklace hits the antenna and shorts out the whole operation. This is more implausible than Luke Skywalker finding that Death Star whole thing. Or the Death Star even having that whole thing. Yes, I know it gets explained in Rogue One. She didn't even have the force. I know. It's like a Ken Griffey Jr. cannon, just like throwing them out at home from center field. I guess it could be seen as like, so you know how they say like parent strength, you know, like, oh, this guy lifted a bus his kid was under. Maybe it was the power of love. It's a glorious thing. Don't need money. <laughs> I don't, don't know. But whatever it is, the, the whole the whole platform's getting fucked up. The Decepticons leave. Plot. Power Glide lands. And he's like, what the fuck? What did you smash the antenna for? Do you want to get yourself killed? I did it to save you, you dumb... Oh, yell at me, I don't care. As long as you're safe. Oh. And then she hugs him. I'm just going to throw it out there again. This is abuse. This is not love. That is emotional abuse. Here's physical abuse. You've got to... Astoria! Let's, Let's paint a picture. They're on a falling platform. Correct. They are 10 miles in the sky. Now, mind you, she's having no breathing problems. She's not burning up in the atmosphere. She's fine. She throws herself onto Power Glide. She's like, ah, oh, you big hunk of metal, you big galoob. And his hands make a very clear pushing motion, and he shoves her down the vertical face, and he goes, Astoria, and chases after her. I don't know if it was a moment of passion, and he immediately had regrets, or what's going on. I it's thought, it, I thought it was just poorly animated. I, like there were plenty of other moments where he like hits her and like shoves her and stuff. I thought this was just like he reached out for her, mm-hmm. and then the ship started to tilt and she fell. He wouldn't have had to reach out for her if he hadn't shoved her. No, I really strongly feel like this was a narcissist abuser mm-hmm. who's like maybe you can hammer the point home. Angry shoves her, and mm-hmm. then to demonstrate that it's. You know, his kisses feel like love. He reaches out to save her. Mm. 
And so in the future, she'll look back and say, he mm-hmm. rescued me from, my, needs, from certain yeah. death. And it's like, but he also caused certain death. At this point, I'm not clear what their plan is either, because this thing is free falling into the ocean, right? Right. So Powerglide decides to go and try to fix it or something. So <laughs> they go into the control room and he tells a story of, hey, rip off that panel. She pulls a metal panel apart with her bare fucking hands. <laughs> and, yeah, she's a beast. And then he like delicately connects a wire. And I thought, huh, maybe they could have reversed that one to make it make a little bit more sense. But but here we are. So he's got the control stick. He's convinced he should be able to fly this thing. But he can't because there's a problem. You're the problem. Get out of here. You're jinxing the controls. And then he, again, he backhands <laughs> her out of the room. <laughs> Is this abuse, Shelley? Oh, boy. So, yes, it's abuse, but also this would discredit the theory that the necklace was causing the problems with machines. Ah, yes. Sorry, Dave. Didn't survive the scientific no. method. Hmm. Although it is still Transformers method, so who knows? Maybe it still <laughs> counts. True. So he gets control of the saucer, but it still crashes directly into the ocean. So I honestly don't know what they were trying to do, but Power Glide... And Astoria escape. <laughs> and you get the Decepticons. And the Decepticons, those bumbling idiots, Megatron especially, do this. Energize the force fields! What force fields? <laughs> and then it crashes into their underground base. And Megatron's like, your new orders are to clean up this mess. I don't know. I mean, it's funny and it's ridiculous. Megatron is a loser, right? Like, they yeah. lose to the Transformers every yeah. single episode. He's not often portrayed as such a bumbling fucking idiot. Yeah, he's not Cobra Commander. Right. I feel yeah, like he, he's just always losing. I felt like it wasn't Megatron being such a dumbass. It was every person that Megatron enlisted to help him. Okay. Everyone around him failed. Yeah. It, and yeah. he's mad about it. He okay. understands why they failed. Well, assholes. I'm surrounded by assholes. Exactly. Megatron's not the story here. Love is the story. It's love. a love story. So love now- and Astroglide. Love, but it's power glide. We're in front of a nondescript <laughs> building. Optimus Prime is just standing there. Spike is there. His father, Sparkplug, is there. The a- scale is bad. Yes. Astoria is there with Power Glide. And Astoria starts to explain a little bit about what was happening, what, what they didn't see. So what were the Decepticons after, anyway? Oh, just that necklace my father gave me. You never make any sense, you know that? Yeah. Well, I gotta be going. And then he just pounds the top of her head with his fist and just drives her into the ground. <laughs> you never make any Fucking sense, crazy. you know that? Father Flavin. I could have I could have voiced Powerglide. Mr. Peterson. It was in his problematic face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't let me. So I went into I went into underwear modeling. Mm. I, love, I, got this I love that. Hog. That's right. Guy's packing some heat. It's big old power glide in these Calvin Kleins. That's a Wahlburger, baby. It's a meat waffle down there. There might be like two people in the world who understand what we're talking about at this moment. Oh, I'm sorry. For those who don't understand, and folks, you know, you might have got the Alice Monroe reference, but if you don't know Mark Wahlberg. Get the fuck out. Well, he's like a local guy. Like, he hasn't hit it big. He's a real normal guy. Super regular, Mm -hmm. down-to-earth dude. That's right. Loves his mom. That's right. I'm down down to earth, and I love my church, I love Father Flavin, and I could have stopped Mm 9-11. All true statements. Him and Seth MacFarlane. 
So we're really delaying. <laughs> we're delaying. He's a great guy too. The climax here. He, That's not he true. Could have, he could have voiced the Transformer. Probably be like fucking like lounge singing. <laughs> fucking Seth MacFarlane. Fuck that guy. <laughs> How dare you? He's a good friend of mine. I tried to get him in uh, Transformers last night. He couldn't make it. He was too busy filming Ted 2, which I starred in. I liked the first couple of seasons of Family Guy. Everything after that, fuck, God damn it. I liked Go it away. before it came back. I'm going to make the Flintstones. I, Mr. Belvedere, McFarlane, thinks he's so fucking talented. <laughs> he's not fucking talented. I mean, the guy literally oh, has perfect pitch, which is good for him. I got like hundreds of millions but... of dollars from Fox to like develop bullshit nonsense. Hey, ben? Ben, I'm sorry I pressed your buttons. We got to move on, though. That's true. Let's move forward. Let's hear a robot ask a woman on a date. (laughs) Uh, uh, Next time I'm in town, would it be okay if I uh, looked you up? That would be wonderful. (laughs) You're wonderful. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. That's not all. Yeah, I know. I'm not normal way to react to a robot asking you on a date most deaf screaming wee as if you were on the slide not just a robot a robot who has thrown you multiple times and mm-hmm. literally pushed you to your death before trying to save it's you fine. it's fine wee hit me more <laughs> but here's shaylin's memeable moment of the week so spike and spark plug and optimus prime start to give power glide a little good natured shit right like oh yeah you're getting weak in the knees huh power glide so he walks into the garage like he has rickets and he opens up his circuits. It sounds like this. <laughs> no, no, that's not Fred Flintstone walking, folks. That is some LEDs inside Power Glide's chest that are blinking a heart. And there's your answer <laughs> from earlier. Robots can feel love Indeed. in the form of hearts on their circuits. Yeah, yeah. So the reason he was walking like he has rickets is it's because he was trying to hide his boner. It's like when you got that erection <laughs> in class and the teacher asked you to the chalkboard and you had to you had to walk to hide your raging bone. I support it. Shailen, you had this problem. I had this problem constantly. You go to math class to do a little algebra problem and you're like, oh man, 2x equals rock hard. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, listeners, we want to hear from you. What is the sexiest math problem? Hashtag horny equation. I think that might be the best hashtag we've had on this show ever. That's a hashtag horny equation. So that is the end of Transformers. And would you show this particular love fest to a child, Jalen? I'm torn here, mm-hmm. right? So on the one hand, I feel like most children would see this and write it off as silly. On the other hand, condoning violence, specifically violence against women, is problematic. Mm -hmm. So I would let them watch it if they would endure a monologue from me before and after. It's rough for the child involved. So with a caveat, yes. (laughs) Okay. Dave? Yeah, I would show this to kids. Weird abuse aside, like it was kind of fun and really really stupid i loved it yeah it's completely ridiculous yeah Yeah. i would show this to a child i mean uh early transformers all horrifying abuse undertones aside harmless and with that in mind one to five tender backhands four and a half i thought this episode was great i really like transformers in general i think that they cover the rotating cast of characters well Mm -hmm. by just pretending that they've always been there yeah 
I liked it. Okay. Okay. Dave, how many tender backhands? Uh, I am also four and a half out of five tender backhands, and I'm uh, I'm nine out of eleven. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. <laughs> yeah, no problem. The math kind of works. I will also go four and a half. We'll make it a social, a memeable social. This is good. It's not like peak Transformers. Like there are legitimately good episodes, but I think in terms of just like that weird 80s, I don't give a fuck insanity. It's tough to get too much better than this. There's a Transformer that rides a merry-go-round. Mm-hmm. That there is. Get into it. So for tonight's game, originally I was going to do a dating game kind of thing. Enter robot, interspecies dating. But I couldn't quite get the angle of it. But I got fixated on game shows, right? Other possible names for this were What's My Game Show or The Game Show Game Show. But then I remembered something else I love, and that is very loose theming. So I'd like to introduce you both to Castle Game Skull. It's like Castle Grey Skull. I like it. Yeah, we get it, yeah. I have the power. I am the squire of this land, and you knights have been tapped for royalty. I'm going to give you the name of a show. You have to bid one to five points, each of you. You may want to write this down. If you nail it, you get your bid. If you don't get it, whoever I like more will get the points. You will also guess the decade. You get a point if you guess the decade it premiered. If you win, you're the ruler of the land. If you lose, you get scalded in oil. We'll see how long I can keep this up. Fear not, brave knights, because you have helpful knaves. There's double bubble, toil and trouble, which is a double bid. You could either double your bid or screw an opponent and double their bid. You have Teuchronic Plague. If you play Teuchronic Plague, your opponent must naturally place in two weed references in their answer. If they can't, disqualification. Or you also have Knight in Shining Armor, which is a clue just for you. All right, I'm, I'm done with the voice. So... <laughs> No. <laughs> keep keep it going. My, my throat hurts. Can I just whatever, confirm? Whatever you are. Last night when you were super serious watching basketball mm-hmm. and I started talking and you said you were doing something, is this what you were doing? Yeah. Okay. This is what I was saying. Cool. So I'm going to name a game show. You have to tell me the concept of the game show and the decade in which it aired. You have to bid one to five points. You're both going to do this. If you nail it, you get the points. If nobody gets it, whichever one I like more will get those points. Okay. And if you'll get a point regardless if you know what decade it aired. You with me? The loser will be scalded in oil. Cannot wait to be scalded in oil. And we'll go as many rounds as I feel is long enough, because I have a lot of these. Now, do we have to talk in character, brave sir? Shailen does. Knight's choice. Shailen's character is Sir Ringo Starr. <laughs> no. <laughs> Our first game show here is The Chamber. What is the chamber about? And Shailen, you will go first on this one. And how many points will you bid? Three points, Ben. Okay. This aired in the mid-90s. That's the decade. Mm-hmm. And in this game show, they lock someone inside of a box, a chamber, if you will. Mm-hmm. And when they are in the box, sensory deprivation People answer questions about them, and they have to get them right or wrong. Okay. They have to guess if they got them right or wrong. Thus, the chamber. The chamber. Okay. Dave, Dave what is the chamber? I will uh, wager two points. Okay. And it was a game show in the the 70s. Mm-hmm. 
and it was a, it was a, like a double dare kind of show. But instead of like finding flags in, in giant fake Sundays, a team of two had to do a relay race to empty a chamber pot. <laughs> okay. Well themed to this, this show. So you're both wrong. And you're both wrong on the deck. What? Here. <laughs> Come on. I was clearly on, on track. The Chamber is a show that aired in 2002. It involved contestants being strapped into a chair where they were tortured, either by cold heat or electricity. It lasted for three episodes, and Fox was sued. For... How many people died? <laughs> Nobody died, uh, but a guy got 125 k off the lawsuit. So, Dave, for sticking with the theming, I will give you those two points. So you're on the board. Yes. Trying to keep meticulous track of the score here. Huzzah! Right. Good sir. Our next game show, Animal Crackups. These are all real American game shows. Animal Crackups. Dave, you will go first on this one. How many points are you trying to, to get to? And so I, I bid two, so I can't bid two anymore, right? Or can I? Uh, bid as many as you want. I realized this was a okay. gap in my scoring logic. <laughs> I will four points. Decade is the 90s. Mm -hmm. Hosted by Jeff Foxworthy. Instead of uh, human contestants, there are animals, and they are voiced by uh, C-grade celebrities. Mm -hmm. uh, Kathy, Kathy Griffin and Seth MacFarlane and uh, <laughs> let's see, who else? C-grade. Uh, <laughs> D-list. But Jeff Foxworthy gives them a topic and they have to come up with answers, but it looks like the animals are talking, and that's animal crackups. Okay. Okay. Shailen. This was originally slated for the twenty ten. How, how many points? I'm sorry. Two points. Two points. It was originally slated for the twenty tens until PETA got a hold of it. Hosted by Guy Fieri. <laughs> it's actual animals being forced through obstacle courses. Okay. Without human companions to help them, <laughs> and when the animals, when the animals Wait, wasn't fail, the jungle? <laughs> when the animals fail, they kill them and eat them. I'm, I'm just going to stop you right there, because it's Guy Fieri. He's a chef, right? Dave, your answer is remarkably close, but I'm giving Shailen the points on this one. Oh fuck you! So Shailen gets back to zero because of of all of the the amazing references there. Now, Animal Crackups aired in the '80s, okay. So nobody gets that point. Four celebrities competed. It was hosted by Alan Thicke. He introduced a video clip about an animal, and then it gets paused, and he asked them a question, and whoever gets the right answer gets a stuffed animal in their podium, and they were playing for charity. <laughs> so, No, animals get, getting eaten for not succeeding and Guy Fieri mm -hmm. hosting is definitely a better show. So Dave, by betting big there, you are negative two. Shailen, you are at zero. Woo! This might be whoever loses the least. Let's move on here. And don't forget your uh, night lines, of course. Let's do... My fiefdom lines. <laughs> How's your mother-in-law? Is that the name of the show? That's the name of the show. Oh, boy. Shailen, this one is you first. How many points dost thou bid? Good oh. sir, I wish to chronic plague my opponent to in chronic this episode. Plague. Okay, so Dave, when your turn is up, you have to naturally insert two weed references into your description of the show, or you're, you automatically lose that round. Okay. So, Shailen? I wager one point. One point. Set in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. As someone decides who they will date 
they first must learn what the in-laws will be like. Oh, tell me, you wizard. <laughs> I give you, how is your mother-in-law? So you think that's what the show's about, huh? <laughs> it's going to be like the dating game, but they're not dating the person. They're dating the in-law. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. They're okay. not dating them, but like they're testing them out. All right. Yeah. You said the 70s? Yeah. All right, Dave. You've been infected with the two chronic plague. Uh, oh, no. How will thou bid? Good, kindly, sir. Uh, I will bid st- three points, sir. Okay. How is Your Mother-in-Law is a um, early 2000s game show hosted by Mark Wahlberg. Okay. Where he asks you, how's your mother-in-law? <laughs> um, uh. And his co-host is um, is uh, Doug Stanhope. And uh, <laughs> okay, and so they have to interview all these men, and they have to answer these trivia questions about their mothers-in-law. And if they get it wrong, they lose points. And Doug Stanhope throws out some catchphrases like, "Oh, that's going to get you in the icky sticky," <laughs> sure. and uh, "Can I bus out of here?" Things like that. <laughs> so, and that's uh, how's your mother-in-law? Two chronic plague has been cured. Challenge, yes! cha- challenge defeated. So, How's Your Mother-in-Law is a show from 1968. So Damn it, I was so point. close. Three mothers-in-law were represented by comedians acting as defense attorneys. The first week, comedians were George Carlin, Richard Dawson, and Larry Storch. Later comedians included Nipsey Russell and more Richard Dawson. After each comedian presented his case, a jury of five unmarried men and five unmarried women picked the mother-in-law they'd most like to have. That mother-in-law received $100. That's almost what I said. Each woman's son-in-law provided information, usually derogatory, to the comedians before the show. So yes, Shailen, you are correct. Holy shit. So you get a whopping one point. That's right. How many points did you bid, Dave? Three. Seven. Three. Current score, Dave minus five. Shailen. No, I got the icky sticky right. Or the, oh, uh, the, the, that's the, right. the weed reference. That's right. Wait, you, do you, you earn you, Yes, you do that? get two points for that. So minus three. <sighs> I'm adjusting. Oh, I was negative two. Now I'm zero. But you did. You still got the. You got it wrong. You so still it's got it wrong. Motherfucker. So you're at a minus three. Let's do two How's more. How's your mother-in-law? <laughs> How's your mother-in-law? How about smush? The Can show you spell that, please? Is smush S M U S H? And Dave, what is thus dost bid? With like a clue. A clue just for you? Yes, a clue. A knight in shining armor. Okay. Shailen, you need to take your headphones off and put your hands over your ears. It's not a clue for you. This is bullshit. I need to think of an actual clue here. Um, Wordplay is the clue. Wordplay. Wordplay. Okay. Shailen, you may put your headphones back on. Now, Dave, you are up first still. Yes. We'll need your bid number. You are down by four points right now so we only got two questions left so you gotta start winning big i'm a valiant paladin and i will only wager high points from now on Mm -hmm. five 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 yes smush (laughs) jesus (laughs) it's a um uh smush is a a game show in the 2010s Mm -hmm. hosted by the resurrected uh, corpse of chuck woolery okay i don't know if he's dead I was just but, about to ask. Um, <laughs> but he looks like a resurrected corpse. And it is like the game Boggle, okay. but 
instead of um, everybody kind of you know having these little pieces with the letters on them, they are they're on this giant human-sized boggle board, and they have to f- push letters around and and smush the the letters together to okay. uh, make as many words as possible. Okay. Okay. Shailen? Smush. Wait. I'm throwing a double bid, and you need to bid. Double. Two, two points. So you are now bidding for four. Bidding for four. Smush is the 2000 aughts. Okay. And it is hosted by a ditzy woman, maybe Jenny McCarthy. It's stand inappropriate. doesn't matter. It's very much like MASH, but it's celebrity comedians coming up with who will you marry? Will you live in an apartment or mm-hmm. a house? Who's your crush, etc. And the winner of this game receives inflatable furniture from the Claire's catalog. I see. This round's been a real reversal of fortune. Shailen, you do get a point. It is in the 2000 aughts. Woo! 2001 to be specific. Dave, you did not get that point. But Dave's answer was much closer. Okay. Smush. Set in a basement party atmosphere, the show featured four contestants trying to smush the answers to clues together to create a new phrase. For example, the clue a New England state plus flying circus man would result in an answer of Vermonty Python. Smushes did not have to use the exact spelling of both words. For example, belly Afghanistan could be a combination of belly laugh and Afghanistan. So Dave, you get five points. You are now up to two. Shailen, you have lost four points. You are down to minus two. So there's a four point gap here. Okay. With a single round left to play. Our final round. A state of panic. E-S-T-A-T-E of panic. Shailen, you were going first. What is your bid? Good sir, before my bid, I wish to call upon my knight in shining armor. Okay. Dave, you need to remove your headphones for a moment. Give me the thumbs up when you're ready. Yep. It is a show with narrative, is the clue. That is not a clue. That's a clue. Did Dave get a haircut? (laughs) No, it's just matted with sweat. (laughs) (laughs) It's very hot in this room. Shailen, now that you've been armed with your excellent clue, what is your wager? Five. Going big on this last question. Well, because I need that many to win if Dave doesn't get it right. That's not necessarily true, but let's not Nail let's biter. not belabor the point. A state of panic. It comes from the twenty tens. It's kind of like a combination of hoarders and trading spaces, right? And whatever that show is where they go to people's houses and buy shit from them, mm-hmm. that's really staged. So a group of people goes to a house that's about to have an estate sale or should have an estate sale. Okay. They ransack it, set up a garage sale for all that stuff, and whoever wins gets to keep their own shit. Okay. Okay. A state of panic. Estate of panic. An estate scale, not a garage sale. That's what I meant. Right. A state scale. Dave, what is your wager and what is a state of panic? I'll wager three points. Okay. And uh, let's see here. It took place in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Had a lengthy run, nine years. So we won to, to 90. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, hosted by Robin Leach. He would go to the houses of the rich and the famous. He would bring along three guests. Mm-hmm. Um, two of them were just regular Joes, like like the three of us. And sure. one was a, uh, you know, a, a young up-and-coming comedian or comedienne 
one case, Louis Anderson uh, was, was, was on the show. They would have to go around the person's house and guess the price of all of the very fancy objects in that house. Mm-hmm. And the, the one who got closest to the price would get to take that fancy object home and have a drink with the, the homeowner. A State of Panic from 2008. So neither of you get the bonus point. Damn it. Damn it. Seven strangers from across the United States arrive at a large, mysterious mansion. The mansion's eccentric owner spends his free time stashing his assets throughout the mansion, and he's assisted by his silent butler, the 80-year-old maniacal freak Rupert. Once the players arrive, the owner challenges them to find the cash he has hidden in a series of rooms. The task is made difficult, however, as the contestants must come face-to-face with corpses with their greatest phobias while in the house. Oh. In each room, quarter potties. the last person to leave and the person who collects the least money are both eliminated. After three rooms are explored and six players have been eliminated, the, first, the final contestant earns the opportunity to win and add to everything collected by all players by completing a final challenge in the estate's vault. Can we watch it on Tubi? I don't know. Interesting sounding show. I would watch By this interesting, show. I sound insane. Now, this is tough because I think you both have elements of the answer in there. And so you will each get, in a true kingly way, I will split. Shailen, you will get two and a half points. Dave, you will get one and a half points. Which brings our final scores as follows. Folks, he's doing math right so before my true. eyes. Oh, wait. Oh, shit. You he's doing that. math wrong. Nope. Okay, I got it. I got it. Shailen, you technically lost regardless because you were below zero at minus 0.5. And you will sadly be scalded in oil. I mean... Wait. Wait. Ben. No, you can't split those points in half. They're too precious to me. Please, give all the points to Shailen. Oh, hold on. You're doing like a weird biblical thing, but we're doing a renaissance thing. Okay, so wait a minute. (laughs) So Dave would be... Wrong. Dave would would stay at two... Shailen would get... Oh, wait a minute. It's a tie. It's two a to, tie. To, no, wait a minute. You guys, I can't do math and Ben is weirdly slow on math tonight. No, wait. Yeah, sure. It's How a tie. How much Shailen wager? At, uh, uh, five. Yeah. Five. So she was negative two. It's three. But Ben wasn't giving full points out. I had one, we didn't get I had right. one thing I'm, I'm updating here. It's a draw. No Nobody is, wins. No one is it in oil today. Na, 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 na. I truly am a valiant knight. Na, 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 na. Let us mount our steeds and go off into the misty something. Yeah. Now let's go find a maiden. Yes. And that. And demand that she cooks us meat. Was Castle Game Skull. I'm going to add reverb under that. It's going to be great. <laughs> On the mailbag. Hey there, WatchBots. I'm sitting here wearing nothing but a necktie and some alpaca wool socks, listening to your latest episode and strumming my Git box. So naturally, I got to know, if you were going to hit up one of those drive-in movies this summer, what classic movie would you want to see on the outdoor big screen? Peace, Damien. Well, what do you want to see? Assuming you won't get covid Outbreak is not a good answer. I'd like to know from both of you first if you've ever been to drive-in movies. No. Okay. Dave? No, never. Okay. Is that like a lead-in? I'm just curious. Don't do it. No, so there's- You idiots. There's this story in my family that when my brother was little, little, Mm. they saw, I think, Jaws and Star Wars in like a double feature at a drive-in. 
mm-hmm. and he brought a bow and arrow and it was very adorable because he was going to protect my parents but fell asleep before the movie started. And on some level, because of that, I've always wanted to see Jaws in a drive-in theater Okay, because I was super jealous of the experience. Like, mm-hmm. it sounds really fun. But I think if it were me going out, it's not a classic movie classic necessarily i mean i think jurassic park would be super fun to watch on a on a drive-in theater most of the big summer blockbusters would apply here i I was thinking jurassic park but i'll switch a little bit i'll say back to the future the original one oh that would be really fun actually it seems like a fun experience i mean at a drive-in is there like a community aspect to it like obviously there's cars and stuff around there's kids necking but like you go to a theater and people are cheering and stuff, and some people like that. I fucking hate it. Do you get any of that at a drive-in? Not if you situate yourself properly. So, <laughs> oh yeah, my I've been to a couple of drive-in theaters, and my takeaways were a car with air conditioning and a quiet engine help. Mm-hmm. One time I was there with a diesel engine car, uh, and the air conditioner broke, so we had to have the windows open. So there were a lot of mosquitoes. Clean burning, baby. And the although there was a bench seat to take a nap in, which was good. I was there with my mom, and my sister. And then if you keep the windows up, you don't necessarily have to deal with the people around you. But and there's like a snack bar or whatever. Sure. So in a lot of ways, it's like oh, big screen, super fun, but also nobody fucking look at me because I'm doing this for myself. Mm-hmm. So. In response to COVID, one of the Chinese restaurants around here, it's it's big, it's outlandish. It's called the Kowloon. It's the best. It's the best in a lot of ways. They have set up an outdoor drive-in, kind of. They basically have three shipping containers stacked on top of each other with like a big sheet. And there's something nice about it. Like I like the idea of going and getting some tiki drinks and having some Chinese food and watching a movie. But it's like, their restaurant is situated on the side of a major road. So either you're in your, I think you were actually sitting out on blankets, maybe. I don't know. But yeah, I think they're doing theirs as like a, you, like a picnic kind of thing. It's a picnic more than, yeah. Yeah. And sitting on the side of a major road on, o- on a parking lot <laughs> doesn't seem like the greatest experience. So for me, I think it would be like, this is going to sound like weird, but I would like to see the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in a drive in. Okay. Like that grindhouse quality Mm -hmm. and that final shot of her like running down the street at the end. That would be an amazing thing to see like on a big outdoor screen. I don't know why. Just like I feel like it'd have the right. It'd vibe right. Yeah. 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 I can take it. Yeah. I feel like that would make it really hard for me to get home without panic attacks. (laughs) I could see that. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Like it would be really fun and I would thoroughly enjoy it. And then the whole way I would be scared and then I would pull in the driveway and just cry. Mm hmm. I love Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. Oh, it's so good. And if the drive-in was like in the middle of nowhere, like that would make make it even better. (laughs) Better is all relative. Better. Listeners, we want to hear from you. What movies do you want to see at a drive-in? Hashtag creature feature. Hashtag COVID creature feature. Hashtag Corona feature. Hashtag WatchBots feature. Wow. Wow, that's branding. You must be a marketing professional. That's self-serving. Actually, you know, I got one more. Hashtag Alice Monroe. So, <laughs> so thank you, Damien. No, ben, that's too inside out. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we've done it. Uh, another Transformers in the books. Any last thoughts on robot love or Asimov or Chappie? Asimov love? Mm, I love Asimov. Mm. I sack. <laughs> Shailen, final thoughts? 
It seems to me your robots are boobity boobity. I lost it. Oh boy. Damn it. And you uh, you jumped the gun too. I did. We'll come back to this. Dave, any final thoughts? <laughs> no, I think we should just end on boobity boobity. That's a that's a good one. If you're a robot or a human, don't fucking abuse women because that's shitty. You can follow us yeah, on or I'll come after you. Twitter on Instagram on Jiffy. I'm I'm gonna stop nine eleven and watch bots go back in time and do it. Play subscribe rate and review on iTunes. I solved the marathon bombing. Spotify, your platform of choice for a whole cast of characters. Set at a hamburger restaurant. This is Ben. Thank you for listening to another episode of Watchbots. And I'm just gonna um just gonna open that the floor. Was a Transformers up. movie. I'm opening the floor. Have a good week, everybody. Say hi to your mother-in-law for me. Don't let those robotic bodies push you off the the, the trainy train. Alrighty then. Ringo Starr, you're my favorite. Who are you? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> no, but really, like, picture Ringo Starr meeting Mark Wahlberg. I know, we just did. That's exactly how it would go. Who the fuck do you think you are, kid from Boston? I'm hitting stop. You're my favorite drummer. Thank <laughs> you.